the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I wonder how many of us will be remembered for living and walking with God by faith. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today we start a brand new study in John chapter 13 in a message titled One Man's Story. Have you ever thought about the story that your life is going to leave behind? Because every life will leave a legacy. A tale of sorts. Some will be remembered for their acts of heroism. Some will leave their mark in sports. Some will break records. While others, well, they're going to come in second place. And by the way, nobody remember who comes in second place except for the person who came in second place. Others will be remembered for their mistakes. Like Chris Weber in a championship basketball game for Michigan State. He called a timeout when they had no timeouts, which turned the ball over. And of course, they lost the game because of that. No one remembered that but me right now. But anyway, uh, and how could we talk about people and their legacies without giving honorable mention to people like Paris Hilton? Why? Because she started the craze of being famous for simply being famous. Hey, we live in America. Why not? It's what we do. It's the land of opportunity. But enough about famous people. Consider Dan Groski of Wisconsin. He's eaten multiple Big Macs every day for 47 years straight. This man has eaten over 30,000 Big Macs. Okay, now at 540 calories each, that is 16,200,000 calories. Wow, just hearing that makes me want to go work out or take a shower, one of the two, but anyway, but what a worthless legacy to leave behind. I wonder if he dreams two off beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. I don't know if he does or not. I'm just saying, but yes, we will all leave a story behind a tale that's yet to be fully told. And so it was with the disciples. They were men just like us, yet with this one difference. They had the grand opportunity of literally walking with Jesus. They, they were able to sit down and talk with him. They were able to glean life's answers from the maker, the creator himself. Could you even comprehend or imagine that? Yet their days of walking with Jesus, seeing the miraculous unfold right before their very eyes was coming to an end. They didn't know it though. Soon they too would have to walk by faith like we walk by faith. They were going to have to trust and believe without seeing like we are. And just like the stories that they left for us to see, we too are leaving a story for all those around us to see. 
Know this, people will read our story daily. It's read in how we act and react to every issue of life. I wonder what our story is telling thus far. I wonder how many of us will be remembered for living and walking with God by faith. Well, as we continue in our study through the gospel of John, last time we saw Jesus spending the last night of his life with his disciples. They were celebrating the Passover together. This was a picture of what Jesus was about to do in just a few hours. Jesus would be betrayed, falsely accused, beaten, and crucified for the sins of the world. And as we saw last time, the disciples were clueless of what was happening here. Yet Jesus, the ultimate example of surrender and servanthood, became a servant at that moment as he bowed down and washed the disciples' feet. He humbled himself and he did the work of a common servant slave. He said to his disciples, if I as your master are willing to wash your feet, how much more should you do the same? How much more should you wash the feet of each other? I like what Jesus said in verse 17. He says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. See, it's one thing to know things, but Jesus said, if you know the right thing to do and you do it, you will be blessed. That word blessed means that you'll be happy. You'll be a happy person. The happy person is the person who serves one another through random acts of kindness and love. I wonder how many of us have embraced that type of lifestyle on any kind of a regular basis for us to simply obey in the little acts of love ends up being the very formula that God uses to bring us, his children, great joy and happiness. God uses that in our lives. You would think that like, no, more for me, more, more, more would make us more happy. But it's quite the opposite. As we serve more, as we reach out more to others, that's where we tap into what God will cause as great joy in our own life. Well, with that as a backdrop, today we will pick up and continue reading here in John chapter 13. We will specifically look at one disciple named Judas Iscariot. He was a villain. He was a scoundrel. He was a wretch of a man. Yet nobody knew it. His heart was evil at the core. Yet he seemed gentle and loving on the outside. He was handpicked by Jesus himself to be one of the original 12 disciples. He walked, he talked, and he lived with Jesus for over three years. Think about that. He saw the supernatural. He saw the miracles and healings with his own eyes. He witnessed lives being changed. He watched the dead being risen. Yet even that didn't seem to be enough for him to turn away from his own sin nature. Today, we will see him fall both long and very hard. So much so that he would never recover. He opened himself up to be afflicted beyond his wildest dreams to the point of total demon possession, which led to him committing suicide. Yes, not only did he die physically, 
but he also died spiritually. Now, as we look at his life, we will consider three points in light of our title, One Man's Story. Number one, looking the part. Did Judas Iscariot not look the part? I mean, he walked with Jesus. He was with them. He was one of his chosen. Number two, embracing the enemy. At some point, there was a transition where he started embracing the enemy instead of embracing the Lord. And number three, heeding our warnings. We are all given warnings. We must heed those warnings. Judas didn't. Well, let's look at our first point, looking the part. As we read, starting together from where we picked up from last time, we'll look in John chapter 13. We'll pick up in verse 20. Jesus said, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he had become troubled in spirit. And he testified and he said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking. We'll stop there for a moment. Some people might say, well, why would we even look at a study like this? Because we cover all the scripture, verse by verse, all the way down, not skipping any areas because there might be just something in here that might warn us of something in our future. But notice how Jesus became troubled in his spirit. Now that word troubled means that he was agitated. He was anxious inside. You ever been that way? You're just, ah, you're just not right inside. Your stomach's a little churning and what have you. Jesus obviously knew that there was something rotten in Denmark. He knew that there was a rat in the kitchen. Jesus knew this would happen, obviously, but he could no longer allow this wicked heart in his presence. So in verse 21, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. That word betray means that there's a traitor amongst us. Someone is working with the enemy. Someone who's broken trust. How sad. This man, Judas, who Jesus had personally poured into his very soul. He was a dog. How many times over the last three years did Jesus have multiple one-on-one conversations with this man? How many times did Jesus explain things that had never been explained before? Mind-boggling things. Yet Judas made them and heard them and did not embrace them. See, Jesus reached out to him how many times? Did Judas literally stop in his tracks with great astonishment of what he was able to witness again with his own very eyes? Yet now he's preparing to stab Jesus in the back. He's getting ready to betray that great love and mercy that was poured into him. This is why Jesus in Isaiah 53 is called a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Many times... We have been betrayed by people, have we not? Someone that was a friend, a co-worker, maybe someone that works for you, and they turn around and stab you in the back, a family member, an in-law, and all of a sudden you find out lies were told and this and that and what have you, and it's like, man, you just feel like, oh, I can't believe that. 
Well, this happened to Jesus too. He knows everything that's ever happened to all of us. He's experienced all those emotions. And again, that's why we're told in the Old Testament, he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He knows the pain that we walk through. He knows the path of hardship. And notice in verse 22, the disciples were shocked as they looked at each other at a loss, meaning they had no idea who it could be. Remember, Judas Iscariot wasn't the sinister looking one. He wasn't the one that was always standing by himself off to the side, dressed in black. He wasn't wearing a trench coat with dark glasses. He didn't have creepy eyes. He didn't have the half-shaven face. Many times, whenever there's a movie depicting the life of Jesus, Judas will always be that one that's a little shifty looking. But that's not what Judas Judas was like. Understand, he didn't look any different from anyone else. He looked honest, sincere, loving, just like many look today. For wickedness and deception can come decorated in many forms and styles. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that even Satan, the devil himself, disguises himself as an angel of light. See, Satan can even do this. And he can appear to be everything right and everything perfect, and he's not. That's why when people come to me with their multiple visions and ideas, and, oh, I had this dream last night, and it was so real. I had a vision. There was an angel in my, in my room and, and told me to do this. What did they tell you to do? Well, I've been really anxious about my spouse. Well, what did the angel tell you? Kill him. What? <laughs> it's like, that is not from God. This is why we have to compare everything that we're told to scripture. We have to compare it all. And if anything is different than what the scripture says, then that was not of God. And I tell people, I go, well, I don't care what your vision was. I don't care what your dream was. I don't care how, how real it felt. The message that you're getting from that is not going alongside scripture. Therefore, it is not of God. And I've had people leave the church. It's like, well, you don't understand. You didn't see my vision. Well, I know, but you're telling me what happened in the vision. And that is not of God. That is not of God. Satan can appear as an angel of light. We as believers must be careful who we associate with. Let's not confuse this with sharing our faith. Of course, we are to share our faith with everybody that has breath. If their heart's beating, share that there's a God in heaven that loves them, that their sin can be forgiven, that they can have a relationship with God. But when it comes to relationships, meaning those that we spend our leisure time with, we should only hang with true believers. For there are many wolves out there that the Bible says are dressed with sheep's clothing it's like those salesmen that you run into. It's like they're, they're trying to sell you something. And as soon as they sniff that you're a Christian, oh, brother, how are you? God bless you. Yes. Well, let's pray about this together. I'm sure that God would have you to buy this. You should buy this car. Why? Because the tires are blocked that match your hair. You know, whatever. Salesmen will tell you everything. As soon as they find out that I'm a pastor, it's like, oh, brother, how's it going? God bless your church, you know. It's like, I'm going to tithe off my commission. It's like, oh, yeah, all right, whatever, you know. It's like, but the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 5.11 to not associate with any so-called brother or sister if they should be an immoral person, 
a covetous person, an idolater, a reveler, you know, or a drunkard or a swindler. He says, don't even sit down and have a meal with them. Wow. Now, see, I'll go out to lunch with anybody. Someone wants to go out to lunch with me. I'm an eating machine, you know, that. It's like, it's like, I'll go to lunch. But I go to lunch for a specific reason, and that's to share Christ. If I'm going to lunch with a non-believer, it's only to share Christ. You know, when I was selling construction equipment, we were the number one dealer in North America for a couple of different product lines. We got taken back to the factory. I think it was in North Dakota. And, the, you know, the CEO of the company and whatever wanted to take us out. They wanted to take us to a strip club and go out drinking. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and so we didn't do that, but we did go out for the big, uh, you know, filet mignon steak dinner and all that. And they're like, tell us your secret. How are you selling more than any of our dealerships in North America? And I said, oh, great. It's because I'm a Christian. I know Christ is my savior. And the Bible says, do everything you do is under the Lord. And so I tenaciously go after sales. I go after sales with a tenacious heart. And I want to do the best. I want to sell the most. I want to do everything because I do it all as unto the Lord. And I do it honestly. And I don't lie. And I don't cheat to get a sale. But I stand behind our product with great integrity. And they're just kind of, oh, that's not what we wanted to hear. But whatever, you just keep selling, you know. (laughs) They're just like, some might say, well, pastor, are you actually saying that we should and have relationships that are non-Christians? Is that what you're actually saying? Uh, let me think about that. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be deceived. Like, don't deceive yourself. Bad company will corrupt good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. While you're hanging out with non-believers doing all this other stuff, there's people that could have in your company a relationship with you that might come to know Christ or being encouraged in their faith by your relationship with them. But instead, you're out hanging out with people that you shouldn't be hanging out with, possibly doing things you shouldn't be doing. Of course we can go to family get-togethers. Of course you can, because you're the light in that family to shine. So you go to every family dinner. You can go to company Christmas parties, because you can be the, the light that shines in that company Christmas party. But you don't have to participate of the other things. When I used to go to the company Christmas parties for the heathen companies I used to work for, I didn't drink. I remember this one Christmas party, this one guy's coming up and he's dancing with everybody's wife. It's like his wife is sitting at the table, but he's dancing with everybody's wife. And of course, my wife is a babe. Okay. And so he comes up to dance with my wife. And I leaned over and yeah. He goes, no, I just want to dance with your wife. What rhymes with you and starts with in? Like, not going to happen. You know, and he goes, well, what's the big deal? I go, well, let me ask you this. Why don't you go dance with this woman here at the table that happens to be your wife that you've danced with everybody's wife in this house but her? And he's like, ooh. So anyway, uh, I don't like people dancing with my wife. (laughs) But if you're hanging out or you're spending time with family or friends doing things that could cause you to stumble and fall in an area of sin, then you should sever that relationship. Why? Because they're not healthy for you or, you know, or your walk with the Lord. Again, not obeying the Lord in this area, it will cause two major things to happen in our lives. These two things will happen. Number one, they will drag us down and encourage us to do things that we know are wrong. 
So instead of us lifting that person up and drawing them closer to the Lord, it'll pull us down and draw us away from the Lord. And number two, they will hold us back from the place and the position that God desires us to be in. For many times when we fall into sin, it's been through a series of compromises. Many that start with a friendship, a particular group of people that are going in a different direction and they do not live by the same moral code that God desires us to live by. Don't ever underestimate the impact on us because that's exactly what happened to Judas Iscariot. Which brings up our second point, embracing the enemy. Let's read what happens next as we pick up in chapter 13, verse 23. It says, now there was reclining on Jesus' breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now listen, when you're the author of the gospel of John, you're John, you can point out things like this. Yes, there was one of the disciples that Jesus loved. He's talking about himself, okay? Now, you have to admit that he was kind of the favorite. And by the way, when they took Jesus and they hung him on the cross to be crucified, all the disciples ran for their life and they were hiding except for one. And who was that? John. And where was John? Standing next to and holding Jesus' mother, Mary. And that's where Jesus said on the cross, he laid down and he says, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. So he gave the care of his earthly mother into the hands of John. So John was kind of the favorite, and he points it out here. Okay, so anyway, he was leaning on Jesus' breast. So Simon Peter, therefore, gestured to him like, hey, hey, ask him. He said to him, tell us who it is on whom he is speaking. Who's going to be the one that is going to betray him? So verse 25, he, John, leaning back thus on Jesus' breast, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus, therefore, answered, that is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan then entered into Judas. Jesus therefore said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, no one of those that reclined at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to Judas. For some were supposing because Judas had the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things that we have need of for the feast or else that he should give something to the poor. And so after receiving the morsel, he went out, Judas went out immediately And it was night. We'll stop there for a moment. What happened? What happened here? I mean, where did Judas fall off the path? Where did he hang the wrong turn on the fork of the road? When and where did he take that wrong misstep? How in the world did this young man who was asked personally by Jesus Christ to follow him. This young man who's walked now three years with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords get to the point of betraying the Messiah of the whole world. Again, Judas, who had firsthand knowledge of every single miracle, he watched Lazarus, a man who had been dead for four days, come walking out of the tomb alive just a week earlier. This man personally witnessed lame men walking, blind men seen, men that were 
cancer filled with, with leprosy just be completely clenched in front of his very eyes. Yet now he leaves the Passover with the very Passover lamb, Jesus, who's been prophesied throughout the Old Testament. And now he's going to make a deal with the crooked religious leaders, the enemies of Christ, those who had forsaken the living God for rituals and regulations. I wonder where did it actually start? When did it start? I wonder if it might have started with subtle little compromises like we mentioned earlier. Maybe he started spending time with those very religious leaders that hated Jesus. Maybe that started to taint his thinking and poison his soul. You know, we're also told in the Bible that he was given the money box to hold. You could say that he was the treasurer for the Lord's ministry. Yet we're also told that he was stealing money out of the box. Maybe his first temptation was to steal just a a couple bucks out of the box. Yet maybe after getting away with it for several times, he started taking more and more and more. Please continue to join us this week as we go through the book of John chapter 13. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.